Hello and welcome to another episode of the Theo Keeps Talking podcast, where you may laugh or you may learn. Available on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. My name is Theo. And the most important question of the day, how are you all doing? Last week, I had my second ever guest on, Mr. Sheelan Shaw. We talked about a whole manner of things from travel to Pokemon to social media to basketball hot takes and all that. It was fun catching up with him, so check that out when you get a chance. Today's a good one. There was this debate around unpaid internships that sprung up on social media earlier this week, and I'm putting my two cents in like I always do, (laughs) and I think it'll be a fun time. For the recommendation section today, uh, this will be the greatest recommendation section I've ever done. (laughs) So blending in the music recommendations and the news, let's just get to my music recommendations before... Oh, so songs I've been listening to nonstop prior to Friday at midnight. Heartbreak Anniversary by Giveon, Calling My Phone by Lil TJ featuring Black, aka Six Lack, Slow Dancing in the Dark by Joji, and In My Head by Peter Manos. So last night at approximately midnight Eastern Standard Time, we got bombed by some greatness not only did bruno mars and anderson pack drop leave the door open which i'm telling you is an amazing song oh my goodness a sensational song check that out but six god drizzy drake oh my word he had to do it again drake's about to drop the games in disarray Scary Hours 2 came out. Oh, he did it again. He did it again. They're all fire. All of them. Every single one. I feel like if someone was like, if you had to pick the weakest one, I'd say what's next. But I think it would do really well if the world was open. Like if we were in clubs or at bars or whatever and that song came on, I feel like the the energy of the song would be really good, right? But... Lemon Pepper Freestyle. Let's talk about it, for real. Obviously, Drake and Baby did their thing on Once and Needs, but let's talk about Lemon Pepper Freestyle just one time, for the one time. What? That, J- Drake, another submission into the S tier of Drake versus. I mean, I thought Rick Ross did, did a, since a swell job, but, oh, Drake, my goodness, Stop it. He uh, Think of it like this. Drake and Rick Ross have the following songs together. Gold Roses, Aston Martin Music, Stay Scheming, Diced Pineapples, Money in the Grave, Free Spirit, No New Friends, Pop That, and Lemon Pepper Freestyle. Those are all certified classics, right? Gold Roses, Stay Scheming, and Lemon Pepper Freestyle, I think, are the ones where you just, like, those are unbelievably strong Drake verses with strong Ross also, right? And, of course, you know, if if you don't get it, right, if you, 
if you heard the song, you're like, what's so big about Lemon Pepper? Um, I don't know if it's an official business relationship, but I think Rick Ross is endorsed by Wingstop. Um, and they have these Lemon Pepper wings, which are quite nice. Uh, what am I saying? They're absolutely delicious. So that's, that's of course, the that's the reason for the title. But <sighs> Drake just does it again. He does it again. I will say this, that... I, I it, it it's kind of a tie though. Lemon Pepper Freestyle is like a sensational song, but that Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack song is also really really good. I mean, if I if you had to tell me like best song of the weekend, it's between those two. And I and I you know me, I'm Ovio Theo Drake. Uh, yes, but I don't know that that Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack song that is an elite song. So. When they drop their full project, it'll be called Silk Sonic, I think. Or that's the name of their group. I don't know. But when they drop the full project, oof, that that's gonna be that's gonna be the whole music list that episode. But calling my phone, Lil TJ with Six Lack, that's also a banger. So, you know, uh, music's been very good to me lately. As far as shows go, Wifey and I caught up on Attack on Titan officially and started and caught up on Jujutsu Kaisen all within the same week. Um, if you like anime, Jujutsu Kaisen is fantastic. So that's my recommendation there. And then I've been watching Harley Quinn on HBO Max. And I got to tell y'all, it's really funny. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know what it is, but DC Comics just doesn't, they don't miss with their animated content. Like, the live-action stuff is inconsistent at best and underwhelming most of the time. But between their animated movies and this show, DC is sensational. Now, for the main topic of the day, right? The reason why I decided to not take a week off like I said I would and hop on the mic. We're talking about unpaid internships. Uh, I've alluded to my thought process as far as the role of income in people's lives when I was talking about the racial wealth gap back in my Race in America series, but I'll be certainly rehashing that train of thought throughout the entirety of this debate. So here's what sparked the debate. Jane Slater, a reporter for the NFL Network, tweeted the following. I posted an opportunity for the for an unpaid internship, and I'm amazed at the comments I get. It's not even for me. It's for someone else, and I would have jumped at it in college. I had three unpaid internships in school, double majored, and had a job, SMH. So, of course, she got ratioed in an instant. <laughs> Here are some notable follow-ups. From Ryan Mink, editorial director for the Baltimore Ravens. Example of classism in America. Many people, including myself, can afford to do unpaid internships during the school year. My parents paid my room and board. During the summer, I had enough money to pay rent. But many don't have that privilege, and it hurts their career opportunities. From at Dragonfly Jones on Twitter, his real name's Tyler, but at Dragonfly Jones on Twitter, one of my favorite follows. I had an unpaid internship I had to complete to graduate. 
30 mile drive in my 12 year old 190,000 mile Hyundai. My engine caught on fire on the way there one day. I blew up my car for three college credits and I had to pay like $300 to the tow company F unpaid internships. And Taylor Rooks, an NBA reporter, quote, unpaid internships help perpetuate a larger system that gives already advantaged people more advantages. Many things in life come down to what choices are available to you, and working without being paid is a choice many can't make. That shouldn't be the cost of opportunity. These responses very well summarize my takes on the topic as well. In life, the amount you can fall back on someone else to support you elevates the number of possibilities you can have. And that gets into the debate around classism as well. The ever-present, if I can do it, so should everyone else debate. The debate that basically assumes everyone lives an upper-middle-class life or better. The reporter who started all this her parents are rich. <laughs> Her father is in the food industry and has this whole business empire in Texas. That's why you can take multiple unpaid internships because Miss Jen Slater, Jane Slater, excuse me, you don't need the money from my perspective. Let me break it down from the genesis, the genesis of how I think about all of this. Take someone whose parents combined income is over $200,000 post-tax. They have a house and cars and can go on multiple out-of-state vacations in a year. That's the first setting. That's the first person. Take another person who's in a single-parent household or their parents make under $100,000 together. Or whatever parameters you define as low or lower middle class amount of income. The kids' futures are drastically different. If your parents are well off, you probably don't need to get a part-time job the second you turn 16. It's always nice to have your own pocket change every once in a while, but the economic structure of your household isn't dependent on that. Versus someone who's lower income. The earlier you get a job, the less average expenses your parents need to use to take care of you. Not to mention if you have siblings. I think we talk about low-income, multi-child households like they're this taboo. Let's talk about it objectively. Especially for people of color, in low-income households, you're the next adult up. I mentioned this in previous episodes, but families of color are more likely to have several generations under one household at the same time. Historically, families of color make less money due to several socioeconomic factors such as housing restrictions, underfunded public schools, and public programs hindering their chances of succeeding in higher education, and thus hindering their chances of attaining higher paying jobs. If you want the full breakdown, I have a whole series about it, but safe to say, all of this is systemic. So since you have less money in the lower income situation, daycare is really expensive. Senior care is really expensive. So you have grandparents living with their grandchildren in person of color households more often than not, but 
that overall trend ties in with the economic ceilings families of all races have. So let's continue where we left off. If you're higher income, there's a good chance your parents will get your first car for you. Or have a car you can use more often or go half and half with you, whatever the case may be. And to continue that trend, that mindset, your parents can take care of that for you. There's a good chance that it's a solid car with decent mileage or better on it. The further down the economic scale you get, the less likely you'll get a nice car or a car at all. That now restricts your avenues to get to either, like your man. <laughs> that now restricts your avenues to get to a better high school or even your part-time job, right? Now let's continue this to the next logical extent. If you have more household responsibilities or you have a large presence in your family due to said economic limitations, that can also restrict where you go to college. That's the first major milestone in the economic safety net chart I'm trying to draw here. If you have siblings you need to take care of, elderly family members that your family can't afford to put in senior care, Oftentimes, you can't just pick your dream school, even if you are a really good student. If an emergency happens, you don't want to be on the other side of the country. Compare that to someone who, whose family can afford all the finer things. You can take your car to go from... Yeah, man, I am down bad. You can take your car your parents got for you to college if it's within a reasonable driving distance. If it's not, what's wrong with going to Northwestern, UCLA, Texas at Austin, NYU, if you have the grades? Your parents will be perfectly fine. And that's even if you don't have the grades. We just saw with Lori Laughlin and that whole scandal of rich parents literally paying their kids way into college. I've mentioned this before, but freshman year one, freshman year, year one, one of my classmates asked me, why didn't your parents just pay for college? And I'm like, huh? (laughs) This school costs like 60% of what my parents make a year. (laughs) Ain't no way. Ain't no way. Let's take it a step further. What majors do you think can be afforded to someone who needs money? No, I'm not going to Liberty University to get a Bachelor of Science in Worship Studies. And no, I'm not making that up. You can look it up. Obviously, people from good families still have aspirations of their own and pick great majors. But if you're first gen... If you're a first-gen college student, or if you're from a low-income background, your margin for error is incredibly low. What I have loved to full-time major in eSport management or regular sport management at UCLA or something like that, of course I would. Of course I would. Drexel just added eSport business as a major. Would that have been my second major had I redone things? Probably. Probably. 
but I still would have been an accountant. <laughs> Lower income people have to choose profit over passion more often than not. And now we get to opportunities for internships. Think of a traditional four year college. Freshman year summer, you're probably doing some part time job just to get a little cash, seeing your friends from home, all that. Your second year is where it gets interesting because you might get an internship. But at that point in time, you may not have enough courses in your field to get a great position. And the juniors a year ahead of you could compete with you for those same positions. So it could be a promising end of sophomore year. But your junior year is what you're aiming for. Enter your junior year. This is your chance to get in the door to secure your career. Prime position for an internship. This is where the disparity between economic status comes into play yet again. If you're lower income, at your first shot of making real money over the summer, versus picking something you may be passionate about but it's unpaid, it's a tough decision. All things being equal, you could say that an investment into relationships and networking will provide me money and a career I love in the future. What if, but what if there isn't a future? What if you can't afford to go without that level of income for a summer? What if you're trying to save up for a car? What if you're trying to pay for school on your own? These are the choices that come with it. Now, if you're comfortable financially, the choices aren't as hard. You can follow your dreams with a bigger economic safety net because you don't have to worry about paying for X, Y, and Z. It's a completely different ballgame. Think of it like this. Say you go to school in the suburbs. You go to school in a college town, and then your internship is in a major city, right? If you're lower income, probably commute. Find a way there. Make it work especially if you don't already have a car, like I alluded to earlier. Higher income, you may have a car already. You might have enough money to buy an apartment in that city to make the commute shorter. Those are the outside benefits that come from having money. Instead, your commute being over an hour both ways, it can be a 15 minute walk or even one step lower Instead of you taking public transportation in a lower income situation, you can just take your car in a higher income situation. No waiting in the rain, nobody falling asleep near you or playing their music too damn loud or trying to be the next SoundCloud rapper. Those things affect your day. Those things adjust your peace of mind, can adjust your performance. Bus breaks down, late to work, might impact your performance review. You live a couple blocks away? No worries. Let's do the harder one. You go to a suburban school and you get an internship in the suburbs too. Now you need a car. It's an unrealistic commute otherwise. The advantage naturally goes to someone with a reliable car. Who's more likely to have a reliable car? You already know. The hits just keep on coming. Now, of course, if you have good friends or access to Facebook, people carpool all the time. 
But the less money you have, generally, the less self-sufficient you are. The more dependent you are on other people, other systems, and those things can make you late or a whole host of things that can affect your day-to-day. So let's look at it from 10,000 feet. If your higher income, how much money you have generally determines your household composition, your individual responsibilities within that household, what type of area you live in, the quality of school you go to, what modes of transportation you have, what kinds of colleges you can apply to, how far away those colleges are, what you can study, and where you can intern. If you're rich, rich, why do you need a paid internship? Just do what you want. Your trust fund will take care of you. (laughs) Your parents' passive investments will take care of you. If you're lower income, the hurdles to your ideal dream are there. It becomes an increased responsibility to generate income, help yourself, help your family, maybe save up to take care of some expenses your parents couldn't help as much with. You may need to forego long-term happiness to take care of short-term needs. If you're lower income, if someone offers you $25,000 tomorrow or $50,000 in a year, sometimes you don't have time to wait a year. Some stuff has to get done now, especially in a pandemic-fueled recession with massive unemployment numbers. I want to talk I want to talk in more personal definite terms on this topic to really tie it all together. My viewpoint on money and capitalism and just societal advancement overall is that things should be easier for more people as time progresses. The topic of unpaid internships to me ties in with the concept of student loans and minimum wage and all those things under the umbrella of potential income inequality. South Dakota Senator John, I think it's Thune, T-H-U-N-E, could be Thune, could be Tune, I don't know, he's a bozo, anyway, tweeted (laughs) in opposition to the concept of raising the minimum wage to $15 by stating that he worked for $6 an hour when he was a kid. Well, that was back in 1978, you boomer. If you adjusted that for inflation, that would equal $24 an hour now. And obviously, you have to look at what did things cost back then. So I looked just a few things up. Back then, $6 an hour permitted that you work 40 hours a week and take about three weeks off would net you $11,760 annually pre-tax. $11,760. Compare that to the median household income in 1978 being $15,064 you're only off by $3,300 or 22% of the average. Compare that to now, 
with federal minimum wage at $7.25 an hour, let's do 40 hours a week, three weeks off, would net you $14,210 compared to the median household income now of $68,703 per the U.S. Census. You're only off by a tiny little $54,493 or 80% of the median. You're off by 80%. Those standard deviations are laughing at you. Hell, you didn't even reach the median from 1978 with income now. Think of it like this. Let's say you make $15 an hour in the state of California. That means you cannot even sniff affording rent in San Francisco, Los Angeles, or San Diego. San Diego's average apartment rent is $1,828 compared to your $2,400 of minimum wage 40-hour-a-week income pre-tax let alone food, transportation, or just life. San Francisco is over a $2,600 average in rent. Being able to, quote, afford rent means that it costs 30% or less of your monthly income. $15 would obviously be nicer than $7.25, but it can't even get people to be simply average. And as of today, that won't be happening. The Senate voted 58-42 in opposition to raising the federal minimum wage to $15 by like 2025 or something like that. So it's a wrap, which is crazy. So <clears throat> just wanted to segue real quick. Just want to segue real quick. I mentioned earlier that I think the purpose of life is to make things easier, make life easier for more people as soon as you can, right? So I just want to talk about student loans really quickly, really quickly. There was uh, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, the whole Democratic Party who owes me at least $1,400, and they're the only people in the world who owe me money, so I'm not happy with them. They owe me $1,400, right? Minimum. There was some chatter about them eliminating $10,000 in federal student loans, just wiping it, right? I've seen some really dumb takes, some really selfish, self-centered takes like, oh, I wouldn't want student loans to be canceled for everyone because I did it the hard way and I paid them off myself. <laughs> what you want things to be hard for other people just because they were hard for you that's dumb that's selfish that's that's hating that's hating for real right think of it like this think of it this way think, think of it this way what else in life doesn't improve for more people over time think of it like this in 1890 Actually, no, make it easier. 1915. In 1915, 
tell yourself this. If you stood in Washington, D.C., how long, by whatever method of transportation you think of, would it take you to get to New York? Yeah, exactly. Literally, exactly. If I stood at LaFont Plaza in D.C., well, wherever LaFont Plaza in D.C. is right now, 100 years ago, how long would it take me to get there to New York, right? Versus now, innovation for more people makes things better for more people. Why do you think we got cars? What do you think cars were? Horses are great. Love horses. Horses are sensational, right? What? We don't need them to get us places anymore. Imagine how hard it is to own a horse that could also get you places, right? Versus a car. It's a car. It's a dang car or a train or a bus or a plane. You know what I'm saying? It gets you places. It gets people places. You make things easier for more people over time. Think of it like this. Imagine the day anesthesia came out. Someone had surgery the night before and said, I'm suing the federal government because I didn't get that. No one else after me should have anesthesia during surgery. You would call them an idiot, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Right? Same thing with vaccines. Someone one day got polio and the very next day they got the, the polio vaccine came out. MMR vaccine came out. New vaccine just dropped. No, man, they, I survived. People got to just tough it out. No one thinks like that. Nobody. For the people, I, for the people who got COVID, recovered from COVID and are still alive and in decent or better health, you wouldn't, they wouldn't, at least sensibly, the ones I know, aren't going around telling people, nah, people shouldn't get the vaccine. I made it out the hard way. Because that's dumb. So why do we do it about student loans? Think of it like this. You know how, how unbelievably crazy of a loan student loans are? Last time I checked, you can't default on student loans or something like, or you can't, if you declare bankruptcy, you still own them. There's something, some stipulation like that, where student loans do not go away. You can't just whiff, oh no, I showed up, I, I have a new identity in Saudi Arabia or something like that. Nope. That's still you, homie. You're still paying for them, Johns, right? Why do we do this? Think of the financial burden you're telling a 18-year-old to make. Oh, by the way, this is going to appreciate in value by so much, it's going to cripple your life for 30 years. Sign it, though, so you can go to your frat party. What? It's crazy. It is insane. How predatory student loans are. You know what I mean? Like, we like we can barely trust, you know, outfitting adults with, like, credit cards because they'll spend too much of it. Or, like, cars... You know what I mean? Like we can bear, like it, it, it's already a crazy enough hassle to get sensible adults to get signed up for a car note, right? And it's a whole thing. When I bought my car, 
I was, I felt like I was in that, in that dealership for a year. <laughs> you know what I mean? But student loans, you're, you sign that John up like it's a GoFundMe. You sign that John like it's a change.org petition. And boom, by the way, you graduated, you have six months to, to hunker down, shut up. If you don't have a job, it is too damn bad, right? Like it is a unbelievably crippling amount of money to leverage onto a child, a child, an 18 year old to me, not an adult, an adult, someone who's like 28, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it's just wilder than wild that you're, that we do this, right? And obviously it's just federal student loans. Like if you have f- private student loans, well, you're still doomed, you know what I'm saying? But I mean, 10K of federal student loans goes a long way for a lot of people. I saw that the majority of people who default on their loans are like some, whatever the number, whatever the verb is, the majority of people who fail to pay back their student loans are actually under the $10,000 threshold. Like they have less than 10K in federal student loans, but they couldn't pay it because it just never goes away, right? It's bad, you know? And and it's, and it's I think it, it is, of course, in good faith, but also completely wild that you do this thing when you when you graduate it's like student loan exit counseling or something like that where they educate you on like interest rates and all that stuff about your student loan after you've already signed up for it and gotten your degree like they don't do it before you you go in they do it after like oh by the way there is a tsunami coming here's an umbrella it's like huh (laughs) what do you mean like it's just so bad right so i just think that's dumb that's that's my two cents on it you can disagree and we can talk about it hey hit my line be i'm ready to chat about it but i just think that's unbelievably disingenuous to say oh yeah all because i paid my student loans the right way no one else no one else should get any forgiveness we stop it (laughs) but i'm hey I'm, i'm willing to talk about it you know what i'm saying so Next, next, next section. I ask a lot of people the following question. This kind of ties in with the internship thing. I ask a lot of people the following question because we all know the implications of the answer we give. I ask them, if money wasn't a problem, all of your necessary expenses are taken care of. What would you do for a living? Just sit on it. If money wasn't a problem, let's just say you make $60,000, but no matter what you did, you made $60,000 or whatever you need to be comfortable in life, whatever it is, right? Whatever that is, what would you do if you knew you would be guaranteed to have that much money, right? This basically asks, what's your passion? What actually makes you happy in life? Because there, there's this understanding that what you have to do to afford life's expenses is not what drives your self-fulfillment. It's a common understanding. I asked my coworkers this question. All of us are young, intelligent, talented people. And they gave me these incredibly creative answers. And that shows that we understand that the bills have to get paid. Basic concepts. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you're like a business student, you've heard this maybe 35 times. And if you're like a psychology major, you've probably heard this 95 times, but going through it anyway. 
Maslow's hierarchy of needs. The first layer in the stratification, the pyramid, whatever you want to call it, of your needs are physiological needs. So food, water, and shelter. Then a layer up, the second layer, are safety needs, which pertain to your protection and physical well-being. Next are love needs. These are your interactions and gifts and self-care and all that, right? The fourth layer, another one up, holds your esteem needs, esteem needs. These fulfill your inner desires like meditation, achieving a higher physical and mental state. The last and highest tier is self-actualization. You do what you want for you. It benefits you, and nobody's opinion will sway you otherwise. In a high majority of cases, your job fundamentally only takes care of the first few layers. Now the fruits of the job, the income, the paid time off, sometimes travel opportunities, can take care of the next few layers, but the job itself doesn't do that. For example, I do taxes. Is it cool that no matter what, I can help my family, myself, and my friends with their taxes? Yes. Does it does that relieve an annual stress off of me and the people around me that I can do something that's relatively niche, even though practically everyone has to do it? And I can do it at a high level? Yes. But does that provide me with the highest level of the hierarchy self-actualization? Absolutely not. My job is not a self-fulfilling job. The output, everything I do, and all of my output is for the benefit of giant companies or for the benefit of the US government. The only self-fulfillment I get sometimes is when I learn new stuff or become more efficient at what I do or get good feedback or when we do like happy hours and stuff like that, right? But the job itself doesn't provide me with joy in its work because it's work. Work pays the bills. Throw some cash into retirement. Get a little disposable income so I can stay in the house for the 50th consecutive week and spend a little money on something like the Bath and Body Works buy three, get two free deal I just cashed out on. I'm not going to lie to you. I literally did. Men, uh, all the homies that listen, all the guys, I'm going to say this right now. If you want to smell really good, just really good, let me spit some game to you, right? Spit some game. And ladies, if you want to try a men's scent, try it too. Hey, hey, here to spit game. And whatever gender you may identify as, I don't want to, you know, exclude nobody. But hey, here's what I'm going to say. Bath and Body Works, men's section, fragrances, lotions, and body washes, right? They just dropped some new scents. One of them is called Oasis. Try that. Just try that real quick. Just try it. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, Bath and Body Works is oof. Anyway, besides the point. I said all that to say this. A lot of people understand why you have to work in a field that doesn't necessarily align with your passions. 
And that's because a lot of us have bills to pay. (laughs) I had an unpaid position during my freshman year of college. Was it worth it? Absolutely. I learned a ton. I worked for a nonprofit doing taxes for low low income individuals in the Philadelphia area. Could I have done that as my only job later in my career? Nope. At the time, though, freshman year, I was working another job. My classes were relatively easy. And I had a grand total of $45 in fixed expenses per month. (laughs) Netflix, Apple Music, and the routine amount of train tokens I used to get to my jobs. That was it. Y'all do not want to know how much in fixed expenses I have right now. (laughs) Y'all do not want to know. But that's exactly the point. If Jane Slater or Colin Cowherd are talking about massive companies like NFL Network and Fox Sports only offering unpaid internships for you to get your foot in the door, that's a roadblock for a lot of people. Most college-age students either aren't looking for a good internship or have the resume to be accepted for a good internship until they're entering their junior or senior years. That's difficult because what if your unpaid internship has a lot of commute time? Then you're just burning money at a chance to get in the door. No guarantees. And what if you have family, personal goals like getting a car, etc., etc.? That won't work on its own personal section i can tell you without a doubt how drastically my life different my life would be if i didn't have three very high paying six month long internships did it cost me one extra year of college yes but comma it was worth it in the present time trust right think of it like this i'll be real with y'all I was a 19-year-old when I got my first real internship. I made a lot of money, like a lot, a lot. Put it this way. In terms of self-generated revenue, I was in the highest income bracket for all 19-year-olds in the U.S., probably. Obviously not like some Twitch streamer or YouTube superstar, TikTok dancer money. Obviously not that, right? Not there. But I was making $25 an hour pre-tax, $19 an hour post-tax, 40 hours a week for six months. I did that three times and got paid a little more each time. And now I work there. Do I have much to show for it? Nope. (laughs) Because life is expensive. But I wouldn't have been able to get a car, which means I'd have to use my parents' cars a ton for stuff between Philly and Maryland, rack up miles on their cars, and that would mean they spend more money that they don't have. If I didn't get that opportunity, I literally would have transferred. If I did not make the money I made when I needed to, I could not have afforded 
literally anything about the school I went to. Literally impossible. Well, Theo, just take out student loans. Well, shit, I have them. <laughs> but who what, who finna pay for them? Me, right? I, I would, would I rather pay less in the future or more in the future? Less, obviously. What it, wait, what does that mean then? It means I need money right now, right? How do you do that? What did I do? I mortgaged my entire future financial stability that I got the right internship on the first try. I bet on myself. It worked. And I have the assets to show for it. But not the cash. (laughs) Not the cash flow. Not at all, right? All of my money has been consumed by landlords, my car, Discover, the U.S. government, and, of course, Drexel University. (laughs) But that's what it takes. I have no problem telling you that I was chasing a bag only for that bag to be inhaled by my fixed expenses. (laughs) But that's why I think more people having more money is a good thing. I pursued my goals on a crazy risk. Did I believe that my networking skills and how hard I worked in class and all that got me to where I needed to be? Yeah. Do I believe that I'm the hardest worker for whatever I want in life? Yeah. But do other people, have other people believe that about themselves too? Absolutely. And it didn't work out. And the economic pressure of life is crushing them. Another thing I want to dispel before I go. Also, I wanted to add, quick note, on the fly, right? I mentioned that my job doesn't provide me with, like, the self-fulfillment, the self-actualization, the highest tier. You know what does? Ironically, this podcast does. Like, that's what, this, doing this, if I were to run, if I were to do, like, the actual business math, I run my podcast at a loss, right? Because I'm not, I don't want the pressure of trying to look for advertisements. I'm not trying to turn it into a business. This is just for me, right? I was approached a little bit ago, a while ago, I should say, about the ability to actually monetize my podcast. Like I I was approached to do that thing, right? And then I thought about it and what ended up happening was I really sat down and I thought about it. What do I gain from entering a contractual agreement for my podcast. I get paid, but what what comes out of it? I thought about it. The freedom the podcast gives me is simply, I can stop when I want to. And that is the best self-actualization to fulfillment ratio that there possibly is. I can stop when I just want to take a break. But if I have a contract where it's like, hey, Thea, you have to promote this like fitness powder uh, <laughs> uh, twice a month. What if I'm busy? What if I'm traveling? You know, what if I have other things going on that will restrain me from doing that? So I didn't take that opportunity. I didn't want to. Mo- I, does, does extra money help? Obviously. But because I can do this for fun. And no one's telling me when to output stuff. 
I can ma- I can control how much I want to do it. Granted, I've done it every week since the beginning of the year, so I'm very proud of myself because I am very I'm a momentum based person. You know, what I mean, if I if I have a little rough week, I'm like, nope, I'm not doing anything. But I've done this, you know what I'm saying? So I wanted to throw that in there. Self-fulfillment equals host a podcast and let Theo talk and hear his voice all the time. <laughs> another thing. So I want to say another thing I want to dispel before we go. I have no idea why we have this classist and horrendous narrative around minimum wage and unemployed people. Tell me this. If I, if a multi-million multinational company gets acquired and lays off a ton of people. Why do we not get mad at the company for raising the unemployment levels? My mom, who makes less money than me at the at this very moment, made nearly six figures before the 2007 recession. She's more qualified than most people on the planet. But nah, nah, she's unemployed. Unemployed people just gotta work harder. I hate it. I hate that, right? Who? Why do we have this narrative that people who work like fast food jobs or minimum wage at Walmart or whatever the case may be, right? Lower, like less glamorous jobs. Why do we have this narrative that they're lazy people? I just don't get it. We gatekeep access to education that would give you the requirements to get to a job and then yell then like make fun of the people who don't get the job like look at yourself right if your job is like an entry-level job but requires three years of experience in the field how is someone gonna get that it's not going to happen (laughs) you know what i mean and we like these elitist people punch down on low-income people being like oh yeah they're not smart enough they don't work hard enough the system doesn't let them get to certain things one of one of my girlfriend's friends degreed all that, you know, works super hard, is still looking for a job. And under no circumstances is it their fault that they don't have one. We're in the middle of a pandemic, yet we're being like, oh, my goodness, why should we ex- why should we give stimulus checks? People with so many handouts like what are you talking about? Unemployment's still so high that fresh college graduates and plenty of people who were employed as of March 5th, 2020, had jobs. People had jobs then, and we're in a situation now, and the government's like, uh, I don't know. I don't think these people really deserve it. But, ooh, dang, that hedge fund over there is looking kind of thick. <laughs> oh, you need some help, boo? Oh, 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 you need some, you need some new, you need to acquire some new foreign national companies? Ooh, let me slide you a quick 90 billion, just real quick. And I'm like, what are y'all doing? What, what, why? <laughs> it's just so bad. So bad. I hate it. Right? Another thing. Another thing I think of billionaires, right? I have this absolute belief that billionaires don't become that way without crazy exploitation. And when I mean billionaires, I don't just mean like the people who like just scratch $1 billion in like net earnings because that means they don't have a billion dollars. 
if you if in if in net revenue or like if you filled out a w-2 and where it says wages and like over the sum of your life you've hit a billion dollars it doesn't mean you currently own a billion dollars i mean the people who year over year can maintain the average of like a billion dollars you know what i mean um to clarify even still like multi-million like multi-multi like nine figure people and up right I just don't understand how do you get to that point without exploiting people? Because my mindset is you can't have a routine amount of billions of dollars if you're like actively uplifting communities around you or paying your employees a ton of money to, you know, keep you being a multi-million, multi-billion dollar person, right? If you, if you, if you, if you were Bezos, right? Obviously, he's not CEO anymore. But if I was Bezos, though, literally, I'd be like, well, why don't all of my employees get paid like $37 an hour or something like that? You know what I mean? Like, we're the most prop. We're, we're literally one of the biggest companies in history. You know what I mean? Just pay more money. Why not? You're a part of you're a part of what makes this happen. You know what I'm saying? And then you'd be like, well, that's but so many people are going to leave their other jobs and 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 go to there so what's the problem you know what i mean if you want to help me if you're enthusiastic about helping me then help if that's too much to ask or you're just in it for the few paychecks and then you like suck at your job i can fire you it's really simple it works the same right but capitalism loves competition, so literally, why not? If I had, if I was worth a billion every single year, everyone's getting paid like fifty and a half dollars an hour, and like get seventeen weeks PTO. Like, who cares? You know what I'm saying? We work. You only have to work forty hours a week, and you can pick whatever days you want to work. Heck, you can work thirty hours a week. I don't care. Fifty dollars an hour, thirty hours a week. Why not? What's wrong with that? You know what I mean? Like, what what is wrong with that idea? If I'm worth a billy, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't. I'm not into designer clothes. All I want is one car. I just want this one car that's in my head, and I, you know, I want one car. It's a really nice SUV, and that's it. I'll get a house. I'll get a stream room, a podcast room, a full fledged basketball court. Wifey will will move in with me. She'll have her stream room. She'll have like the six dogs, two fruit bats, and like three exotic big cats she wants and and the wolf after consider the wolf um and the pool for all the 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 whales and stuff but you know what i mean like I, i'll get those things right but i don't need to continuously make all this money i'll walk into baltimore city i will not let the go- i will not let the city handle this i will walk up to every single teacher and hand them money you know what i mean like it it, it just seems to make so much sense right just just help people just help people you're with a billy i think someone said if you made a million dollars a year or something no 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 i mean something like that let me get it right let me get it right hold on if you made a million dollars a day you would die before you made a billion dollars that's what i think that's what it is if you made a million dollars a day you would die before you got to a billion, right? No, that's not all right. 365, no, nope. I have to get this right. There's something, I think it's a million a year and you would die before you get to three, before you get to a billion. I think that's what it is. Quick mass, podcast math break, brought to you by the iPhone calculator app. 
yeah, it's definitely uh, <laughs> it's definitely a year. If you made a million a year, it would take you three hundred. It it would be past your lifetime before you got to a billion. That's what it is. All right. Obviously, if you make a million dollars a day, Theo, there's two hundred sixty-five days in a year. It would take you three years. Duh. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so that's my point of being a billionaire. I think being a billionaire means you don't give enough money away. Like if I, if, if someone hit me with like, if someone just slapped me in the face with like a completely like tax, like, you know, regulated, completely clean, like $400 million, I, what would I, I wouldn't even know what to do with like the next 300 million. I did with the first hundred million. I know what I would do. That's really simple, right? Take care of my parents, take care of like my girlfriend's parents, take care of all of my relatives, take care of all of her relatives, car, house, dream house, and then go to go to my learning community at Drexel, buy it out. Um, and then I wouldn't know what to do. Cause I can't go on vacation. It's COVID. I still can't go anywhere. So I mean, you know, I mean, it, it's just weird. I just don't understand billionaires. But enough on that. Suffice all that to say this. Please increase the minimum wage. How does the wealth gap get? How how can you? If you're thinking there's a way to reduce the wealth gap, I don't understand how it doesn't start there. Because colleges will only get more expensive which means less and less people will want to get to college or more and more people will be taking out student loans, which means it gets harder and harder and harder to pay them off because the price of college will go up and up and up. And now the, the, the value of making like 50,000, 60,000, 70,000 goes down because the cost of living will go up and the cost of college will go up. Right? So, even the middle class starts getting crunched. Like what would you call quote unquote the middle class? That starts getting crunched. So all I gotta say is, hey, thank you for tuning in. That was a wonderful chat. Thank you for listening to me talk about money because whatever, it is what it is. Um, Will I talk next week? Maybe, maybe not. Might have a guest, might just take a nap. But thank you for tuning in. I appreciate y'all. Hope you have a good weekend. I'll catch you later.